Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode 212 of the flagship show, Bitcoin Podcast. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I am host number two, Demetric Lamar, otherwise known as D, also known as Fergie, also known as The Sauce, also known as Fergalotti. You bring so much energy that... Jesse can't keep a straight face. <laughs> um, that's right. Mr. Energy, that's me. Um, all right, man. It's been a long week. So, I mean, what's on the docket? Like, what's been on your mind about things um, in the crypto space lately? And uh, what's new? I don't know, man. Here's a question. How does Mr. Cello approach a day in the life of being in crypto? Like, are you seeking out news? Are you doing personal research? Are you blockfolio waving? Like, what, uh, what, do you, what do you do? Um, I definitely check the price as soon as I wake up. Um, and then... Um, that's just about it, man. You know, go on, go on right a little bit. I'm really tired of uh, you know going on Coin Market Cap and following individual projects, uh, because let's be honest, the, this whole world of crypto right now is just a bunch of shit coins being issued by uh, a bunch of people that don't know what they're doing. So, ooh, burn. Um, Why are you telling them I like mean, that? I mean, is it all shit coins? It, we're early. Yeah, it's all shit coins. I mean, we're early, and that just comes with the territory. But I'm always surprised that there's just there's such a lack of legitimate stuff out there. Um, which brings me to like Augur. Mm-hmm. Um, they their prediction market is finally live after years and years of development. Um, well, I take that back. It's not live yet, but the migration has to finish and then they're going to release uh a blog post today but i like to see people who are actually coming out with stuff instead of just announcing like status just said that they're announcing a partnership with uh uh omg was that omize 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 go and it's just like why are two companies that have nothing out partnering up only yeah. so. It reminds me of the Mortal Kombat Street Fighters mashup game. Do you remember that game? 
Yeah. And it was yeah. like, why are you guys? It's not even the same. It's not even the same um, techniques you use on the controller. It's it's why nobody wants to see Ryu versus Sub Zero. Well, it's just Marvel versus Capcom was so popular. They were like, all right, now we're gonna take Tekken versus Mega Man. All right, now we're gonna do <laughs> King Kong versus. Yeah, they were just mashing shit up. King Batman Kong versus, versus the King Jurassic Kong. Park Velociraptors. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you ask me, the Velociraptors. And then they were like, oh, like, okay. Go ahead. I think they were like, okay, it only works with Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah. But then they came out with the new Marvel vs. Capcom, and that didn't even sell well. So, what do you do? Yeah, they didn't have any X-Men in there. The Tards. But, like, um, I wanted... Deep down, I wanted the Velociraptors to keep evolving rapidly in the Jurassic Park um, universe. And, like, one of the movies, they're sitting down and, like, leather... Reading leather-bound books with pipes... But they still can't speak English. They're just that smart. Like they're like rapidly evolving raptors. Rapid the raptor. That should be like a kid's show. And then, anyways, uh, we got a little bit off topic there. But Augur is releasing on mainnet. And if you don't know, if you're not familiar with Augur, it's it's like Gnosis except for they're releasing things. Um. And it's a it's a prediction market. Now, prediction markets are illegal in the traditional financial landscape uh, because they can lead to some crazy accurate results, um, which can kind of lead to gamification and things like that. But the reason why a prediction market works is because it's based on the wisdom of the masses. And there's this uh, um, there's actually a mathematical um, phenomenon that states that like if you get a significantly large group of people from the significantly diverse backgrounds, then they can actually predict the outcome of events just based upon their guessing. And it's creepy and it's cool. And uh, I don't know. What would you build a prediction market around? Like what would be the the market you would build? Oh, politics for sure. Politics. That seems like an easy go-to though. It's like, oh, I... Bet you Bernie Sanders yells at an audience soon. Or, um, um, well, you, you want me to like off the beaten path? I don't know. I, I, my, I think my deal would try to. I would love to see if there could be um, predictions around uh, lottery numbers. How'd that work? I don't know. Like, um, maybe an individual market surrounded by each number and then let the wisdom of the masses pick the numbers. And then, so that way you make money off of those markets because people are weird. And then you can even get a chance to, like, use those numbers in the lottery. And then what if you win? Then it's like, Super, it's money on money on money. It's Scrooge McDuck money, baby. We're diving in gold, baby. Yeah, I'm going to take back my politics answer. How about using the prediction market to uh, predict the next best-selling product? So let's say the Microsoft Zune comes out, and I'm like, this is it, guys. Apple killer. <laughs> 
The Zoon's doing it, baby. Oh man, how many people? All man? in on. I'm... Good. You're all I, in on. How do you Zoon? use? How do you use? Yeah, how do you use the rep tokens? Is that what? Is that what you use? Like, I'm all in on Zoon, baby. Uh, here's all my rep tokens. Oh, uh, man. I think I think it's been a while since I used Augur. Uh, but I don't think the rep tokens are what you actually bet with, and I'm happily to, I'm happy to be wrong on this. But I think the rep tokens solidify your um your um what you say the outcome of an event an event is. The more rep you have, the more reputable you are, essentially. So if you go onto the prediction market and you say, "Oh, the outcome was this," then and you have a lot of rep then you can gain rep by um, actually submitting a true event and not a false event. If you submit a false event, you lose rep. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's how they like, say the truth of it all. So Augur's been around for a while. If you, if you guys are interested in the people working for Augur, you can go back into our back catalog. Uh, we've got Joey, Joey Krug um, in there and also... Um, Tony Swish is in there and and go poke around. But yeah. I do get what you're saying. Like it's getting but that's also because we live in this echo chamber of crypto that we we see the trends faster than everyone and we live through them. And I am tired of the trend of all announcements and no meat. There's no meat on that bone, baby. It's just an announcement. Yeah, I was working uh, at a crypto startup, uh, unnamed. I mean, I could name them, whatever. Don't name them. Yeah, I'm not going to name them. But it, it was just so bizarre that everybody just wakes up in the morning, goes to work, and there's no product. And and you're kind of winging it from, from week to week, uh, grasping at straws. You know, it's like, I don't know, it's like... Uh, it's like I'm the graphic designer for like the Cleveland Cavaliers and I go to work, but we don't, the Cleveland Cavaliers have, there's no one on the roster yet. You know what I mean? So there's like, mm. there's nothing to do. I, they're just, the recruiters are out there at like Rucker park recruiting players, but it hasn't happened yet. And I'm just sitting in the office, like just moving my mouse around. That's what it was like. Mm. And that's, that's probably, it just doesn't make sense. We can only speak to that one startup, right? That one case. Well, I, no, I, I'm going to speak to all of them because the reason why you're allowed to do that is because you can raise millions and millions and millions in, in uh, initial coin offerings. And that gives people the luxury to stay in business without a tangible product. I really feel like I, I don't understand why investors give money to companies based off an idea. Like That's crazy. At least have it's a prototype. It's not that crazy. It, happens, it doesn't just happen in crypto, man. It happens all over the place. That's that's, that's part of being a venture capital. And, like what VCs don't talk about are the failures that they invest in. They're always gonna that's like true. bend. Like Andreessen Howard's is always gonna bend over backwards to tell you about his Coinbase's and his Facebooks and his Twitters and his whatever the crazy other companies he invested in. But he's not gonna tell you about the like the Pets.com debacle. Or he's not going to tell you about the time he was drunk and somebody sold him on, oh, you're making wine out of cherries? Everyone will love that. It'll be so new. Like, he's not going to tell you about those investments. Uh, the 
box of wine investment. Yeah. The box. That makes sense. It's boxes inside of boxes of wine, and that's what makes it special. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna give you guys hundreds of thousands uh, of dollars. You know, so. Um, um yeah, but that that company's still garbage, then, and I hope everybody loses their job. Oh, right, somebody was burned. I feel like you felt like you were burned. You had to say that. Well, actually, I, I went to the about page, and like, there's been a lot of shuffling. So that's all good. Oh. Uh, the last thing I want to uh, talk about before we get into the interview is uh, DevCon 4 tickets went on sale this morning. No. And four, four years now running is still a disorganized shit show. Uh, if you apply for press <laughs> passes, they never got back to you. Uh, the way, I, the way here's here's how I would do it. If you apply for press passes, you should be able to get a yes or no, so you can prepare for the general sale. But if you're waiting to get free tickets to a thousand dollar conference, you're not going to buy a general ticket, and then you know as a backup plan, and then you can apply to be a builder, and you get three hundred dollars off, which of course they approved in a matter of hours, of course, because they still make money. Um. But then tickets went on sale this morning, and they were sold out in 15 minutes, 10, 15 that, minutes. That, to me, is crazy cool and crazy scary. 15 minutes they were sold out. Now, let me ask you, D, why do you think they're releasing tickets in waves? Because it sounds to me like that is unnecessary. Why? Like, if I'm buying tickets to a concert, why am I buying tickets, like, at wave three? Like, just release the tickets until they're sold out. Um, because they could be searching for a venue still, and you can use the rate of ticket sales to determine the demand. So if they're still searching for a venue, are they searching for a venue? I know they gave they they gave the city, and now they're started selling tickets. But I don't know information wise, have they put where the venue is? Uh, let me do some uh, some yeah, let's quick find reading. That out. Because if they haven't found a venue, then you would sell something in waves to figure out logistics and figure out, you know, what the what what the demand is, right? Because if you you know if you all of a sudden if you sell things in four waves in four weeks and they all sell out in fifteen minutes, then you could start thinking along lines of holy shit, we might need like a arena, like we might need some sort of local community center that's very very extremely large, like a like our expo center here in central Texas. Like we need something big, you know? Yeah. So that's why well, you the, sell it in ways. But then again, you're still not wrong. Well, the you first, just, go ahead. Well, I, I was just from like a marketing standpoint. Cause the, the first DevCon was in a classroom size gathering in Berlin. All right. And then last year it grew to 2000 people in Cancun. This year it's going to be 3000 people. They are purposely capping tickets and then releasing it in waves. And I don't know it's to generate some kind of excitement, like you said, or they're just disorganized. Because why don't you just sell why don't you sell eight thousand tickets and then just book a Coliseum or whatever? And I don't know. I don't it know. could be a little bit of both. Like sense. it it could be a little bit of both. And you're not wrong. Like when an artist sells tickets, you go on like Ticket Hub or wherever and you just you pick where you want to sit and you buy the ticket. It's not like you pick the seat and it says that this ticket is only available the week of so and so. 
it's like what you know maybe it is a thing maybe it's a controlling the supply like a marketing thing who knows um and and plus uh, it it could be volunteers right like it's the ethereum yeah. foundation so if it's volunteers they don't want to get bombarded so they'll just do it in waves so well the the original like mission statement of the conference is to serve the community of developers ecosystem builders to come together to connect and learn do you still think that that core principle is yeah. the heart of DevCon, or do you think it's more about making money and no, shilling? It's a developers conference. The one I went to, I was very, I was very happy with. Um, ICO talk was frowned down upon, and that's good because it should be frowned down upon in certain settings. Like this isn't a time for you to pitch your money making idea. I'm a, I'm a big fan of always be marketing. However. Like, you don't need to lead a conversation with, have I told you about our token sale coming up? Like, that's not, no, it's not a good look. Um, I still think it's centered around education. I still think it's centered around the new tools that developers are going to have access to. Um, the very, it's, what's funny is when you go to a developers conference, it's so weird because people get elated over small things like now when you write a function you don't have to put a semicolon at the end of the line. And they're like, oh my God, yeah, because they're like, and it's like, you just look around the room and you're like, what? You guys are amped about a semicolon? That's just bananas. <laughs> like, <laughs> or like, oh my God, they built a compiler now, so I just don't have to. And you're like, whoa, man, you guys yeah. like different things. It's cool. But you guys like different things. So, for sure. Um, the last DevCon, I was just blown away that they were controlling a, a RC car with uh, Ether transactions. I was like, oh my goodness. The Animatrix well, is here. What I would like to do is, I think for DevCon 4, uh, I know we've been bolstering up our YouTube channel, but I would like to like get a GoPro or something and film our adventures. I don't want to dive in, into what happened to DevCon, but when we went down that alley and that guy came up to us... And gave us those three options. Yeah. I kind of feel like we should take them up on all three of those offers, not to completion, but just see where it goes, and then <laughs> and then like we kind of film it. So that's it's, how you we, end up getting fucking kidnapped, man. Is it? Yes. Like that dude was creepy as hell. <laughs> see, I that's think how... I I think on any other day of the year you're correct, but I think if a bunch of rich developers get together on one spot. I just think people come out of the woodwork and they want your money and they want your time. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but I also know that that's how you end up getting kidnapped and losing a kidney and waking up in a hostel. I mean, can they just kidnap you? Do they really have to entice you with the sins of the fruit? Um, I'm pretty sure that... I like the way you put that, by the way. Sins of the fruit. That sounds like a romance <laughs> novel you see in your grocery store. That's always yeah. next to, like, the planter's peanuts for some reason. <laughs> At least in the grocery stores I've gone to, it's like romance novels and uh, planter's peanuts. <laughs> and you're like, what? Who put this? Who's? Tr I don't get 
Am I supposed to be like herded to the planter's peanuts or the peanuts herd me towards the romance novels? I don't know what's going on here. Maybe ladies really like peanuts after reading a hot, steamy romance novel. Yeah, any any females in our Slack want to weigh in on that? Feel free. <laughs> I'm gonna start keeping peanuts. I, I want to bring a, a GoPro, just you know, for adventure adventure purposes. Yeah. Not for if I if I like go on a date and it ends up well. As soon as she comes back, like, hey, would you like peanuts? Some peanuts? I understand that uh, you may like uh, peanuts. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. it's be okay. This conversation got weird. But next time you're in your grocery store, just pay attention to the food items that sit next to the romance novels, and then ask yourself why are romance novels in this grocery store. So, um, on that note, uh, yeah, little, uh, I, I got really distracted there. Um, what were what were you just talking about? <laughs> Just, uh, you know, I think uh, if you're a fan of the show and then we start, uh, you know, packaging up these like little 10 minute embedded episodes of, of our adventures, you know, I think, I don't know. You never know. I don't I like know. I like how you say like. bolstering up our YouTube page because we we do zero things on YouTube. We can start. I got, I got better internet. I'm about to have better mics. I got my Logitech HD 1080p camera. I am ready to go. Yeah, um, we're getting there. We're 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 getting there. We're what you call uh, tortoises in the game, right? Well, we're, we're tortoises because our cheap ass fans aren't tipping. So get to work, and we can buy <laughs> some better stuff. <laughs> that is far from false. How are you gonna get? That's a terrible way to to ask for donations, by the way. Oh, by insulting them? And yeah, doing that's, it? that's not typically how you ask for donations. I don't think it's true. I'm pretty sure Sorry, you say like, "Hey, if you like the content, click subscribe, and and uh, donate if you're into that." Yeah, you're wrong, man. We're, we're keeping it sponsor free people. for these people. Come on, um, sponsors so, all in the inbox, and I say no thanks. Keeping it sponsor free for the fans. We keep it clean. Um. So, okay. So so. so I didn't want to talk about something, and then we'll cut to the interview, and and no back half of the roundtable. We'll just we'll just cut to the interview. All right. Uh, it was a little long. This is Clay Collins. It was a little long. No, no, um, no. It's Alex Bosworth, my friend. Oh, this is Lightning Network, baby. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not hashing it out. It's it's the Bitcoin podcast with a high level guest. That's right, baby. We talked about the Lightning Network, baby. Sorry, I'm not. I'm sorry. I don't want to talk like a Mississippi pimp. Uh. <laughs> That's how I talk all the time when I go to like Taco Bell. Hey, let me get a chalupa, baby. And she's like, "What did you say? Did you have, did you have flaming hot Cheetos for lunch?" Uh, I did have flaming hot Cheetos for lunch, baby. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say if you say "baby" like that at the end of it. It it it's not like it's totally illegitimizing. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't know. Oh. I didn't think you would. It's okay. You can give it a shot. Try it. Try it on your family later. Uh, you know, just try it out. Um, so what I wanted to talk about to get you guys pumped up, 
and uh, was price because we typically don't talk about price. So right now we're sitting at six thousand seven hundred somewhere in there, um, and it is what it is. Uh, it, it all depends on if you think that's good or bad. If you're willing to zoom out or move the the chart around to see if that's good or that's bad. Um, so we're falling from if you if you've been living under a rock, baby. That's right. You've been living under a rock, baby. Then you know the price dropped down from twenty thousand uh, to right now six thousand seven hundred. It's gone up. It's gone down, uh, more consistently down. Um, this is what I would identify as a crypto bear market, and bear means the pri- the market is being uh, driven down. Um, but there's some things that could switch that soon. So one of the things that I got really pumped about, and I saw, is that like the SEC. Is, is is submitting new guidelines and some augments to, so so for a new approval process for exchange traded funds, um, and Bitcoin and Ether and Litecoin and some of the other um distributed well distributed, well decentralized, um cryptocurrencies could fall under that um, certain exchange trade fund, but mm-hmm. all it does in a nutshell the highlights of it. And I'll just read some of the highlights from SEC.gov. The commission is proposing a new rule and amendments to forms designed to modernize the regulatory framework for exchange-traded funds, or ETFs. Uh, Proposed Rule 6C-11 would permit ETFs that satisfy certain conditions uh, to operate within the scope of the Investment Company Act of 1940 and come directly to market, this is important, come directly to market without the cost and delay of obtaining an exemptive order. Right, so if it's like a special asset, which cryptocurrency definitely is, uh, they can go straight to market without having to get an exemption, um, which is really expensive. Um, and this is awesome. So what is an ETF? I know you've heard this for a while. An exchange traded fund. Um, in a nutshell, it's like getting exposure to a thing without owning the thing. So ETFs exist for all things. Like there's copper ETFs, there's gold ETFs, there's platinum. ETFs. It's like, What's the largest ETF? Oh, that's a great question. Um, let's just Google that while it's on my mind. What is the largest ETF? By largest, you mean the most valuable? Uh, what is the largest ETF by assets? All right. This is a slow Google for you guys. I think it's Vanguard, isn't it? Top 100 ETFs by assets. This is EFT database, ETFdatabase.com. The number one is the Spider, uh, the Spider and S&P 500 ETF. Average volume is 76 million shares. Wow. Per, per what? It just says average volume. It doesn't say a time. Well, that certainly has appeal to investors. If you want like a large, large cap U.S. stock. Yeah, I mean, it's like um, ETFs are cool because it's like what, you know, if you go to like, uh, I don't know, Western Mutual or or like one of those money management firms and they're like, oh, we're going to, you know, do you want uh, risky? Do you want moderate? Do you want conservative plan? Blah, blah, blah. you know, if ETFs are in that bundle, then that gives uh, companies, sorry, ETFs are kind of bundled into some of those plans. And so those companies now have 
the legal jur like legal uh, precedent to invest in crypto via an ETF, um, which of course uh, is would be great. Would be great, good. So, um, I think those could be catalysts that kind of at least officially bottom out and start to turn this market. If if there is a Bitcoin ETF or Ether ETF. Uh, of course, Bitcoin futures volume is picking up quite a bit day to day over day. So that's my little, um, I don't know what you call it, fundamental analysis of where the market is and the price is. Um, you guys know my personal sense. I think we still have a lot more room to go down um, just because of how like these adoption waves go typically. But um, I'd love to be proven wrong. That would be cool for everybody, I think. Hashtag not investment advice. Hashtag do your own research. Yes, sir. Um, that's all we got. So, you want to cut to the interview, man? You want to? Yeah. So, hey, do you get excited about uh, Node.js, uh, AWS, Swift, iOS developments, and Lightning Network? Then you're boring. Not just joking. Then you're gonna love <laughs> Alex Bosworth. He's a co-founder, and I just I say that out of uh, uh, I, I'm threatened by my intelligence because he's so smart. So I lashed out defensively. So I, I'm the butt of the joke on that. You guys are cool. This guy is awesome, and uh, he was nice enough to talk to us. Yeah, um, he's a very busy man. Uh, he's developing Lightning Network. He's developing these things called submarine swaps, which is going off-chain on one chain and on-chain to a different chain, which is fascinating possibilities there that you can go from a Bitcoin Lightning Network to the on-chain Ethereum Network. Um, yeah, for real. Like, we're talking about the future here, guys. Um, and I love projects like his because it definitely stems, it definitely um, is right along the vein of let's just build shit with no apologies and you know, if who cares who's on board or not? Like it, I think it'd be cool to have a Bitcoin Ether transaction. So I'm gonna make it. Um, and that's what this was about. We talked about Lightning Network capacity, which, by the way, has grown 40% in the past week. So, um, hot damn, that's something that you also won't see in the headlines. Um, yeah. So without further ado, here's Alex Bosworth, um, working with Lightning Network. Um, here it is. Hey, everybody. Today, we have a, a, a very nice interview planned. So we've uh, we've been talking about the Lightning Network for years, and uh, we finally got someone on the show that I feel has the expertise to help us kind of outline um, the current state of the Lightning Network that we were all so excited had finally launched. So today we're joined by uh, Alex Bosworth, or, or is it Bosworth or Bosworth? Did I get that right? Bosworth. Ah, Bosworth. Yeah. All right. Good deal. Alex Bosworth, and he—I have been given the approval to call him uh, an expert in submarine swaps, <laughs> uh, which is what he's working on at the moment. It's a public project. It's open source, and what it's focusing on is is the swap between on-chain tokens and off-chain tokens. Um, but I'm pretty sure the conversation is going to go lots of ways. So first off, Alex, thank you for, for coming on the show. 
Oh, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, I guess what we should do is, is what's your Genesis story? Like, uh, who, who's Alex Bosworth? Um, well, I'm kind of new to the space. Um, I started working on um, Bitcoin in 2016. Um, I took part in this program called the Hacker Residency, which is um, run by the Chaincode Labs in New York. And there's, it's got a core developers kind of teaching about how Bitcoin core works, how the protocol works, philosophy behind the design. And then um, after the program was over, I went to work in um, Palo Alto at this company, BitGo. BitGo does like backend services for exchanges. So they did Bitfinex, um, but they also currently do like Bitstamp, Corbit, um, a bunch of different exchanges. Um, and I worked on kind of a, a private blockchain project there, which was a fork of BTCD. Um, so I was working on a chain for, uh, that would do uh, gold tracking, gold, uh, gold token tracking. Um, and then once I was released, I switched over to work on Lightning Network at BitGo. Um, and then um, earlier this year, I left BitGo and I've been working on this submarine swaps project. All right. Um, I think... Before we get into the details of submarine swaps, which I'm very interested in, let's start by qualifying Lightning Network first. And tell us why Lightning Network doesn't suck. Well, I mean, if you look at it in the early days, like like it is right now, it certainly has all sorts of problems. So I'm not going to say like you can, you can load up on your computer right now and it's going to solve all your problems. Um, but just at a high level, like why it makes sense. So like, if you think about a blockchain, like the way that it works, like it works by you take your transaction and you tell everybody else in the world about it. And then all of those people else in the world, they're receiving all these transactions from all the other people in the world. And that creates kind of like a noisy network. And if you have like a, you know, a small volume, if you're not, if you're not, if you haven't grown too much, it's not so bad to hear everybody else's transactions in the entire world. But as more and more people start to use things, so like, let's say you put all sorts of trades on there and people are, you know, experimenting, having fun on the, on the network, eventually it starts to get like loud. Like you're, you're getting so many transactions from all these different people and, and all your transactions are going to all these other people. So Lightning has a cool kind of a reverse model where it says, you know, only the ideally only me and the person I'm transacting with need to know about these transactions. So I don't really want to process all the transactions that ever happen in the entire world. I just ideally I could just handle a transaction that I make and that somebody else, my partner, makes. Um, and we can't really achieve that with payment channels, which is what Lightning is is based on. Um, and that was like the old idea of how we could scale the blockchain. So we would just set up these channels in between each other. But Lightning kind of said, what if we took the same idea of payment channels where uh, me and my peer only care about this transaction? And what if we set up a, a kind of a routing system so that um, if I can't send directly to my peer, I can send to a, another person who can relay it to another person who can relay it to another person. And then, you know, some people who aren't involved in the transaction still see what that transaction is about. But at least we're not having to process and transfer all the transactions of everybody in the entire world. Um, so that's like the big idea for Lightning. It's like it makes it easier to do lots of super cheap transactions, kind of more private transactions um, and super fast transactions because it's just like more limited in scope of just you and my peer or you and a few other people. Now, something that I think would should be reiterated that a lot of people don't quite understand 
about the Lightning Network is that it's, I guess, generalized state channel and that it allows you to do routing, but the Lightning Network is routing agnostic, which means that how you actually route from peer one to peer in is not defined or specified by the Lightning Network protocol. So you can build different routing algorithms within or on top of the Lightning Network we just have, at its current state, a very naive way of doing it. And so a lot of, when people criticize the Lightning Network, they say, oh, it's a random forest, it's gonna be an unsolvable problem or really expensive once you get to a certain amount of nodes. It's not, um, but you know, there's a lot of different things like that. But a lot of the problems are routing problems, which one, can be solved by multiple different people because it's not defined in the actual protocol. And two, um, it's, it's just a generalized way of taking transactions off of the main blockchain and only using the main Bitcoin blockchain as a settlement layer, which, which enables a lot of different things like increased privacy, increased load. Uh, like, I don't know, there's, a, there's just so many things the Lightning Network does that allows you to do that you can't do on the base layer. And routing, I, mean, I, I don't know, there's, there's two different conversations there. Kind of, but I would like I wanted to reiterate that routing is not a part of Lightning, and that's what most people criticize about it. Can you say anything about that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's fair to say that routing is a problem. Like, we need to figure out like great ways to route. Um, although, like, it's the same deal as the Bitcoin network. Like, if you don't, or you know, any blockchain, if you don't have a huge amount of volume yet, it might be too early to worry too much about how we're going to scale this, you know, to become massive and like 8 billion people. So like, if you're worried about 8 billion people, it's probably a little bit too early. Um, but you can definitely do cool things with routing. Like, um, you know, I've been working on this swaps project, but there's another type of swap where it's like, you can just take an invoice um, that doesn't match the coin that you're using. And you can actually just change that invoice to a different coin. And that's like a form of routing where I can say, you know, you over there on your Bitcoin network with all your Bitcoin friends, you can't pay uh, this Litecoin invoice. But, uh, you know, I have Litecoin friends. So just give me the invoice and I'll swap it for you. And um, that's a form of routing that kind of just goes out of band, band but it's, it's still trustless because uh, what they do is they use the same hash in their new invoice that uses a different currency. And... Um, you know, you've just you've just kind of like hopped out of the network and and plugged into a totally different network. And there's also the also interesting thing about routing is that there's an incentive to fix this, right? Like the the more that you can facilitate routing, the more money you can earn in fees. And you know, uh, if you start to earn a, a lot of fees, that will attract more people who are trying to you know undercut you and try to do a better job of like connecting everybody up. So it's got some good principles there that I think you know will. I don't think we'll run into, I don't think this will be the biggest problem people have. What is the, what's the overhead of uh, a user actually using the Lightning Network? Do they have to run a Lightning node? Do they, can they just tap in and send transactions without running, you know, a full node? Like what, what's the overhead for that? Lightning itself is very lightweight. So, you know, you can probably run it, you can run it on a cell phone. I mean, that's, that's what people are targeting and it doesn't really need the full blockchain. It needs something that you can kind of trust. So, um, you know, roast beef lighting labs are working on a new version of SPV that's, um, you know, a bit more, a bit better in terms of privacy and security. Um, but in theory, you know, it could, it could run at the same, on the same type of wallets that we have today. Um, mm -hmm. you know, light wallets. So it doesn't need the full chain. 
Um, and, you know, really all Lightning is is kind of like a fancy wallet. So, um, you know, all of the current wallets we have today can be upgraded to Lightning wallets. Hmm. Um, I, I would like to get some uh, some answers to some some basic stuff for the layman. Like, for instance, there's some metrics you can look at with the Bitcoin network and have a general idea of its performance, like hash rate, difficulty, um, those things. But when most of the time you're looking at the Lightning Network, you look. I see two things that everyone calls out: uh, the number of nodes and the capacity. What does that say to someone who's a bit of a layman? Because they look at that. I, I show that to people sometimes. I'm like, look at how big and awesome this thing is, and they're just like, I don't know what any of those. I don't know what that means. So, what does that mean for a layman? The number of nodes and the capacity. Um, well, there's no like authoritative source of the network because. You know, it's 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 set up the same way that Bitcoin's set up. Where like if you turn on your Bitcoin node, you'll find like oh you're connected to a bunch of peers, and you know it's the same even if you go on like Bit like on BitTorrent or something and you connect to a bunch of people who are seeding a torrent. Uh, it will it's designed it's a peer to peer network, so it's designed to connect you with some people and you can see some information about them. But it's not authoritative uh, across the entire network. What it is showing you is like in your position, here's what you can do. So I can connect to like a thousand different nodes if I want to. Like I have a lot of choice over like who I can who I can connect with, and then how much money can I send? You know, um, so uh, Lightning isn't great for sending huge amounts of money, right? You need to have people committing funds to channels in order, and that sets the upper bound for how much you can send. Um, so the more that the network grows, uh, the more choices you will have in terms of like who, which nodes can you connect to, which nodes can you know about. And then also the more flexibility you'll have in sending larger amounts. Um, and the lower bound is not just on uh, individual, your peers, but also uh, across the entire route. I mean, that's, that, sets the, that sets a high upper bound for how much you can send. Um, so right now I'd say if you connect to the Lightning Network, you could probably find a bunch of peers and you could probably route like small payments to, to people. But if you wanted to send like, you know, $50,000 or somebody to somebody to someone, you know, the current metrics would show you that that's hard to do. Uh, I also like just because you can't send um, more than what's in your channel. So you open up a channel that has, you know, 0.5 Bitcoin in it and you'd be limited to only sending 0.5 Bitcoin in increments or whatever that amount to whoever that channel opens up to. That's that's not a problem that's going to remain forever. Like they're they're working on specific things that allow you to combine multiple open channels to a single destination, so that you can you can say say if you have you know five channels currently open to different peers that add up to one point five Bitcoin, then your maximum number of destination is one point five Bitcoin, not the maximum number of any of those individual channels that you have open, which is something that's currently being worked on. So like yeah, that's definitely true. That's called like uh, autom atomic multipath or something AMP. Yeah. And um, so it's not. And the, these kind of like upgrades. There's a bunch of like upgrades to Lightning Network that will come, and those will still be compatible with the existing network. So once you know a wallet supports that, um, we don't really need to do soft forks or hard forks or forks or anything. Um, uh, each peer just kind of communicates. Okay, now I can do this um, to the other peer, and then if they accept it, then it can work. All right, sweet. What are submarine swaps? Yeah. Um, yeah, submarines are they as cool as they sound. <laughs> well, <laughs> rest, 
Roast Beef named the, the swaps. I didn't. I can't take credit for the name. But the idea is that you have um, a Lightning Network, um, and in theory, in the, like the grand theory of Lightning Network, is that it will connect all the chains. That you, and all the chains can be off chain. So I will be able if you give me a light a Litecoin invoice, and that's a Lightning invoice, and I want to pay with Bitcoin, that there'll be no problem. I'll just be able to pay you, and that the network will sort it out. Um, but submarine swaps are kind of like a low-tech solution that you could, that might work now or might work for coins that, that never can join the Lightning Network or you never never want to be part of the Lightning Network. And in that case, um, uh, how Lightning, how a submarine swap can work is, let's say I have a Lightning invoice that I want to pay, but I want to use on-chain funds. And it doesn't have to be the same chain. Um, what I can do is I can first deposit the on-chain funds to the pre-image and hash of the invoice. And... Uh, when I give it to a swap provider, when I, when, I, when I deposit these funds with a swap provider, the swap provider has a huge incentive. He says, I have to pay this invoice because I want to get the funds that are locked on the chain. And that allows you to say, I'm going to send you on-chain funds if you pay this invoice for me. And you don't really have to trust the guy who is providing the swap because he has to pay the invoice if he wants to take the money that you've deposited with him. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of how to how to say this. Like a like a like a bounty. It's actually how Lightning works um, all the time. It uses this concept HTLC, but it's mm -hmm. kind of it's kind of like a simplified case. It's like so the way that Lightning works is it says we have these signed transactions and we could go to the chain if we want to. Like the chain is our court. We could go to court if we wanted to, but you know, and I know what the deal is. So let's not, let's just keep it off the chain. And so the, the submarine swap is kind of saying, um, let's, let's not have all of this overhead of off chain and thinking about all these different scenarios. Let's just on one side, go to the chain. And, uh, that can be chains where it's like cheap to go to the chain or, you know, faster to go to the chain or where, you know, you know, even if you, wanted to go on the same chain. So even if you wanted to swap like Bitcoin, like you don't have a lightning wallet yet, but you have a lightning invoice. Um, that's areas where it can be useful to just go to the chain. So it's basically you're, you're proved you're, you're taking the, the, you're trusting that the person who said the thing got paid, it actually got paid because well, the, like, where does where does that come in? Because like say you, you you basically open up a channel, you make a deposit for a certain amount of coin, and that invoice says this needs to be paid in some other coin other than Bitcoin. How do you know that the other person got what they were supposed to get before they can take the money out of sure, the deposit? Sure. Yeah. So an important thing about every Lightning invoice. So how do I even know that a Lightning invoice is paid? I can't just like look it up on a block explorer. Mm -hmm. They're they're not there, right? They're they're off chain. So Lightning invoices have something inside of them which proves that they were paid. And the way that that works is when you generate a Lightning invoice, you generate a secret for that invoice. And the secret for that invoice is represented by a hash that you give over to the other side. So you say, I'm not going to tell you the secret yet, but there's a hash inside of this invoice. And uh, once you get that hash um, and you, you pay the invoice, you always get the pre-image. And you can use a pre-image uh, along with the invoice to prove that you've paid this, paid the invoice. So there's no need to go to a block explorer. The, the combination of that secret that you got when you paid 
and the invoice itself are enough to prove that you've paid it. Um, and that's inherent to how the Lightning Network itself works. Um, so that's like the Lightning, if you want, like if you go into the technical details of how Lightning works, the way it works is I always lock some funds to my peer. I say, I'm locking, some, I'm locking up some money if you reveal the secret. And that's, that's, that's why routing works, mm-hmm. is I say, I'll lock up some money to you, um, but you have to know the secret. And the, the, the peer might not know the secret. So what he does is he goes out to another person and he says, I'll lock up some money to you if you tell me the secret. And then that goes along all the way to the destination of the person who does know the secret. Then once all the locks are in place, the guy who does know the secret reveals the secret to his peer. And then that cascades back to the sender. And the sender set, sees the secret and he says, okay, it definitely got to the destination because I know the secret now. As you basically just said, basically submarine swaps are saying, what well, doesn't actually have to be Bitcoin? It could be anything. As long as you can, you can securely pass the secret to the person who needs the information. Right. And that's built into the Lightning protocol. So that's built into Lightning invoices already. So every time you pay a Lightning invoice, you'll get a pre-image and the pre-image proves that you paid it. And that's part of the protocol and you can't not get it. So as far as like user friendliness, I know it took a pretty long time to get from like when Bitcoin started to now you've got something as easy and smooth as Coinbase. Do we go all the way back to square one when it comes to the, the lightning network? It is second layer. Like are we are we back at square one when it comes to user friendliness and it's gonna take a while to build up to where we have a quote unquote Coinbase or Gemini where you know, did we go to back to square one or are we going, making progress? I'd say there might be some steps backwards. Um, the thing is like Coinbase wants, you know, has a big profit motive to build out, to make Coinbase super easy. Like they want to charge those 1.5% fees on every time you trade. So like they, that's how, that that's what, you know, allows Coinbase to hire hundreds of people um, and make super smooth software. Um, but the thing that Coinbase is losing with Lightning Network in terms of like competing against like open source wallets is that Coinbase used to be that it actually used to be that Coinbase had this idea that you would send money to your friends. And then they had this like lock on the market because, you know, uh, you could send it without any fees and you could send it instantly and, you know, it all just worked. Um, so Lightning will let us do that type of experience without having to like lock all our money up with Coinbase and go through AML KYC with Coinbase and reveal all of our information about our transactions to Coinbase. And trust so, Coinbase. Right. And trust Coinbase and, you know, m- maybe have our funds hacked if, if Coinbase it's, gets hacked. It's, it's like it's, it's the ultimate framework for a decentralized exchange. Eventually. Yeah, I mean, eventually. W- the, that's the other layer that we, we really haven't, you know, unlocked yet which is that there's more coins that could join this network that lightning isn't a bitcoin only network that uh this is like an interoperability protocol uh between anything so like ethereum would be my first obvious choice for something like that because they have something like raiden micro raiden and other types of state channel implementations how difficult is, is it for them to adapt what they've done to join this type of network and then have you know be the second coin in this exchange because you've seen lightning network exchanges between like um like atomic swaps between litecoin and bitcoin as an example mm-hmm. of actually changing an asset using what was enabled by segregated witness 
And eventually, I'd imagine Lightning Network protocols would involve Litecoin because they're they seem to implement these things faster. But there are state channel implementations in Ethereum. Why can't they just hop on and do the same thing? What's keeping them from doing that? Um, well, yeah, you're right. Litecoin is like so easy and fast because Litecoin has SegWit. They even had SegWit first, mm -hmm. and we can. There's an implementation of LNB that works with Litecoin already. Um, it's just that they're not part of the same. They're not part of the same network yet. They're kind of like partitioned off with, from the from the overall network, and there's just not been a lot of work done to bridge it because there's all sorts of other things to do. Um, as far as Ethereum goes, it's so different from Bitcoin, and the expertise in terms of doing payment channels like that didn't spring up overnight. Like these people have been working on Lightning for years and years, mm -hmm. and it is complicated to do a lightning wallet because you know there's a whole protocol there's you know if you go read the spec there's all sorts of things to implement and um if, i don't think ethereum is far, as far along yet so i would expect it to take a little while um and that's one thing that i'm trying to cover with submarine swaps is to try to like say let's not just build let's not wait until we have the full stack for full off chain in some cases it just is fine if if, if the side that it hasn't caught up yet to being off chain it's fine if they're on chain. So I'm working on something where you could do like a ERC twenty to Bitcoin swap, or you could do an mm. Ethereum, Ethereum to Bitcoin swap. Um, and then the Bitcoin side would be Lightning, so you wouldn't have the problem of fees and congestion and things. Mm. Is it is interoperability? I know that's also something that's been thrown around and discussed for a few years now. Is it just a matter of there are no standards? And it feels to me, it just feels like there's so many different camps working on the same problem. It seems like if there were some standards, people would be able to work more effectively on the same problem. I don't know. I'm just asking your opinion because interoperability and it being smooth seems like it would open up all sorts of possibilities for just the whole uh, ecosystem. So what, what are the main problems there when it comes to chain interoperability? Well, some chains, it's very difficult to interoperate with because they're like all over the place. Like it doesn't really make sense to do, be interoperable with like a centralized chain, for example, because, you know, you never know, especially like for <laughs> off chain, you never know what they're going to be like. They're going to, they could maybe, if you have an unconfirmed transaction, it may no longer be valid, you know, in a month when you try to go broadcast it. Um, I think the biggest problem, though, in terms of like why aren't we all interoperable? Um, mm -hmm. It that the reason why is because there's an incentive not to be right. Like if I'm a token, I don't really I want to be a world unto myself. I don't really want other tokens to to, to interoperate with me. Um, I want to develop all the things internally to my own little environment, my own little ecosystem. Um, and especially like if I'm if I'm doing something like. You know, I've created my own kind of micropayments like system, but oh, by the way, you have to you have to want to use one of my micropayment tokens in order to use this new system. So, like, I think it's, there's some kind of a influence of a token raise that kind of keeps people from like focusing too much on the end goal of like let's just let people do what they want without having to go through these trusted exchanges. I don't know if that's 100% true. Maybe that's a surface level thing or a naive way of looking at why people would not want to do that. But in, in actuality, at least in my, in my viewpoint, enabling interoperability across uh, networks 
drastically increases the usability of a lot of things that aren't quite usable because say for instance we have a small token that has some specific use case it if it wants to compete with something like bitcoin it has to build a tremendous amount of infrastructure and on and off ramps and things that people need to do just to actually get utility out of the token it's instead if we have interoperability they can use the massive amount of development that's already been done and vetted and used in these other networks and then in, like, and then use their uh, utility, assuming that your, their utility is novel, right? It, it's just a much better way to operate by using things that already work on the network where they work and using the utility of whatever that network is for what it's supposed to be doing. I guess that... Well, for small tokens, I think it will definitely be useful to do interoperability. So like for submarine swaps, one thing I'm thinking of is that all like if you're just launching a new token, one thing people are doing right now is they're like having to raise like a million dollars to give to an exchange so that people can now trade it. Right. But um, if they were just able to offer trading um, by launching a website and people didn't really have to worry, is this website going to, you know, screw with me? Um, I think it would help like small tokens not have to you know do so much like fundraising and giving money out to to exchanges that they could just do a lot more themselves. So like it's just at the high end, I think the high end are, are more internally focused. They're not too worried about you know trying to interoperate with everybody. Like having people on their platform is more of a selling point for themselves. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's we- funny you mentioned that like a lot of this industry was birthed upon the idea of like getting rid of middlemen, but we are creating these like super last boss middlemen all over again. Like some of these exchanges charge a million dollars to list your token. And I know the cheaper ones are like, Oh, cheaper. It's like $250,000 to list your token. It's like, what, what happened to the whole middleman thing? That's looks like we're, (laughs) looks like we're putting them right back in their place. Um, but just better with better armor. Um, Where are we now sorry, in terms, was, of, in terms of, uh, in terms of the submarine swaps? Like how far along are you? Where do you see the development going? Like, what do you, what do you need done? Um, so I have a, a working version um, where you can trade mm-hmm. testnet coins on chain testnet coins for off chain testnet coins, like lightning coins. Um, so that's like at submarine swaps.org. Um, I just I put, see it. I haven't released yet the um, the Litecoin version of it, which it's in the repo, but it is not pushed to the demo website yet. Um, and I'm still working on the refund situation. So like if the swap doesn't work out, you have to like wait out a timer and then you'll get your money back. So like if the person doesn't pay the invoice, um, I'm still working on making that flow like super easy and uh, trying to create a good standard for how like that can always be easy and that software can integrate it. Um, and I'm, overall, like I'm working on, um, this, uh, ser- this service and, uh, hopefully I can kind of like create a version of it that people would be able to run themselves and you could say, okay, I've got a certain amount of coins and here's my rate and I'm just, I'm just real, you know, I'm ready to run it. And this, it's all in JavaScript. It could run, you know, it could be integrated in a wallet, like a mobile wallet be integrated like in a regular old you know web server um but uh it's still kind of like at the testnet stage i'm not super confident 
I'm not so confident in it that I'm ready to go with, you know, mainnet. All right. Okay. What can people do to help, like to contribute? Do you need people to basically just try and break it? Do you need do you need users? You need like what 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 do you need to get more confidence in pushing it to mainnet? Well, the thing that I'm really missing out is like I don't know too much about other coins. Like I'm really like focused on Bitcoin and focused on Lightning. And if I want to swap with other coins, I'm going to have to go and like research all these other different coins and how they work and if you know if they will be able to work and then what. What are the different ways that they're going to plug in? And so that's one area that I'm going to try to make easier for other people to contribute to. It's like if you have your own coin and you can you can fit this type, you know, fit the needs of how to do a low trust swap, then here's how you, here's how, like kind of a spec that you need to adhere to. And here's how you write your plugin, your adapter into this, into the service. And then somebody can come along and spin up your node and start to say, oh, I'm offering swaps between me and this other one. And somebody actually already did this, like, Somebody just forked my repo and they said, okay, I got Litecoin working. And so that's how I was able to just add in Litecoin. Um, and he said he's going to work on Ethereum. And, you know, there's all like a bajillion coins out there. So um, that's one area where I really, you know, I don't think, feel like I could handle it myself um, is just like supporting lots of different coins. And that's also should be the differentiating factor for submarine swaps. It, it's, it should be very easy to create an adapter and there's not many cases. There's only two cases that can happen. Like in Lightning, it's complicated. There's many different situations that can happen. You have to deal with routing. You have to deal with lots of problems. But in a submarine swap, only two things can happen. The invoice gets paid and the money gets swapped, or you wait out a timer and you have to take your money back. So because there's, there's, two, there's only two cases, that should be easy to uh, expand to lots of different tokens. So, you want to give that guy a shout out, or is he trying to stay anonymous? <sighs> Uh, I think it's Jason Wong. I don't know. Go look um, at the repo. He's got these. I posted his. <laughs> he actually posted like an awesome Medium article about like um, exactly how the swap was working and what he did to to um, to do it. And that was completely unprompted. So that's also what I'm trying to achieve by like making this open source is to let people fork it, let, and also to vet it in terms of like is this something that is secure? Like, what are the risks of operating it? Are they low? Um, are, are we happy with like the, the on-chain contract? Cause I've changed the script up a bit. Um, so all of those things, like, uh, you know, I'm happy to have more people help out on more eyes. Awesome. How do people nice. get in contact with you if they want to try and help contribute? Well, the repo, I've added a bunch of different issues about like things that I'm working on. Um, and you know, anybody's feel, feel free to like jump in or fork it, play around with it. And I'm trying to make it super accessible. Like, uh, it's all JavaScript. I'm going to try to make it npm installable, so you can just get up and running with it. You do have to do a bunch of like nodes. So, you know, if you want to swap between n nodes, you have to you have to run those nodes. That's kind of something that you have to get into. But um, I'm also like I'll post more about it on Twitter, like as I develop it, and people can follow me on Twitter, like to you know, meant, you know, reply to me if I talking something or want to help out or something like that. What's your Twitter name? You do. My Twitter handle is Alex Bosworth. Easy enough nice. to remember. Yeah. Do you so? How you feel? Let's back. We'll, we'll back off the lightning talk, and and just ask about your general. How do you feel since that crazy run up of 2017 to now? We're halfway through 2018. A lot has happened. Uh, how do you feel about the health of the entire ecosystem? Um, big question. It's a big question. 
Kind of. I don't yeah. Know. I'm, I'm pretty excited about the, the overall ecosystem. Um, I think like we grow, we grew so fast that there was a lot of crazy projects that just like came out of the woodwork and I didn't have so much confidence that all these projects like even are have a shred of, you know, something there. So, um, like as we like kind of deflated, um, I was like, this is, it kind of makes sense. We, we can't, we can't just take over the world and like, you know, six months because it's just going to be a bunch of scammers who are creating all sorts of crap. Um, and also, yeah, I'm focused mainly on Bitcoin. And I, I actually do think the like the run up is more like people are on the other tokens and they're kind of, I think it's like a learning process of like what are digital assets and like what makes Bitcoin different. And people kind of like want to get into crypto, but then they're like, oh, I wish it did this something, something that it doesn't, that it isn't, that it isn't, but they're projecting their wants onto it. And then another token will be there to say, oh, I've got all that stuff, mm-hmm. but it might just be marketing where they say, oh, yeah, of course we have all this stuff. But, you know, that's just the marketing material and it actually isn't backed up by the underlying platform. Um, so I think, you know, it's good. It's good for Bitcoin to grow and have more people uh, get attention to it. And then the more that it, it grows in terms of like the price and the ecosystem, you know, the more people can, you know, devote their job, you know, devote their time to it and work on it. And the more it will be taken seriously, you know, as a as a real asset, and you know, get closer to the goal, the, the goals. But like, um, I'm I'm thinking, you know, kind of down the road, I'm pretty pumped in terms of like the how the future is looking right now for Bitcoin. I'm pretty excited as well. I think one of the best, the gift and the curse of Bitcoin is that it appeals to some very very simple parts of human nature. And that's crypto in general. It just it just appeals to some simple stuff. And one of those that keeps it going, um, yet also secures it, is like greed. And I think we saw a lot of that in 2017. And I remember at my previous job, I was talking with crypto with my boss because I was the, the resident, I'll put this in quotations, expert. And he was he was like, it sounds like all we need to do is just make our own Bitcoin and call it whatever. And I was like, oh, that's not... That's not what I said. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. And he was like, "No, you make your own Bitcoin, and then you're the one who made the money, and you have it all." And I was like, "I don't know why you're my boss, really. I don't feel like you heard anything that I said." But um, that's kind of the gift and the curse of this whole thing. Is all right. Good talk, Dave. Good talk, Dave. Make your own Bitcoin. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Go. Go ahead. And make your own Bitcoin. Um, I don't know if I have any more questions, man. I feel like uh, there's a lot of uh, mystery around Lightning Network, and then you take into account there's some people that just like hate it because it's not uh, blocks that are 100 megabytes big or whatever. Um, but I feel like we cleared the air on a lot of things. I mean, it's, um, there's, there's there's difficulties when when the network grows, and that has a lot to do with routing and how you move money from one place to another through multiple hops in a trustless manner. That's also efficient. That's a difficult problem to solve, generally. But there are ways to get around it because you don't need the most optimal solution. You just need a good enough solution that's cheap enough. And there are multiple ways in which you can do it. So if you have a protocol that allows you to do something and you can route that information, there's a lot of other extra cool shit you can do, which we've seen, such as submarine Mm -hmm. swaps and things like that. And it's just going to take a little time for people to start playing with it, trying new things, yeah. and then using them. 
Because once something works, we've seen, once something works and is accessible, it blows up in this space. The reason why we yeah. had the ICO boom is because we made the ERC-20 token accessible and easy to use so people could make coins without knowing what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> That's very true. And that blew up. The next time something yeah. it becomes easy and accessible for people to use and do something that they couldn't do beforehand, they're going to use and abuse it and put things that they shouldn't be doing it for until that blows up and then settles down to actual its proper use case. Yeah. And I'm excited to see how the Lightning Network blows up because it's going to. Yeah, I did I mean, have a question for you. Go ahead, go ahead, Alex. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I just want to talk about a little bit about like what really makes Lightning different in terms of like what are the things you couldn't never do before that Lightning will let you do. And I think there's actually a lot of them that are like beneath the surface that people don't realize and they're focused on like, oh, I can make a payment and now it has a lower fee. But there's like revolutionary things that are just, you know, we're waiting to be built out. And, you know, one of those things is like um, I was just playing around with today, which is that I can do streaming payments. And so like this guy made this map called Satoshi's Place where you can like make a bunch mm -hmm. of pixels and you could, you know, it's like a version of Reddit's Our Place where you can have a lot of people put, you know, change the map around, um, except you have to pay. So one thing I did is I wrote a program to like make an animated game that, that, pl that played itself out on his map. And I'm streaming the payments to him as I'm changing the map. And that's one thing that I think that's going to change a lot of things is like, we, you know, you're going to be able to pay like per second. And I, and I, I do this every, every 10 seconds. I'm, change, I'm updating the, like the game map and I'm paying him to change that. Um, and that's one thing that like you couldn't do before on a chain and it doesn't really even make sense. Like, you know, I'm doing a thousand transactions a day or, or more. Um, another thing that I think that's really crazy is like um, this idea called HTLC dash. And the idea is that you could trustlessly download files from people um, while paying them. And there's no way that they cannot give you the file that you, that you asked for. So the payment and the information of the file are atomically linked together. So it's like a sub, it's like a swap, except it's a swap for information, and it could be a swap for any arbitrarily sized file. So you could say, uh, you know, I want to give you a dollar, but I want to get the file, and I don't want to give you the dollar and then trust that you're going to give me the file. What if you're just some random person on the internet? There's no way that they cannot give you the file, and that can all be done with like Lightning Network, those same atomic locks that that do the normal payments. Um, and then the final thing, like, is like this idea of uh, probabilistic payments. Um, like if you want to do gambling and you want to like say, uh, I want to have 50% odds or I want to have this, this or that odds. That's another thing that Lightning Network can just do at the, at the, at the protocol level. There's a, way to, there's a way to negotiate the contract with the, with the other side where it can be anybody. And the same thing, that, that probabilistic contract can be locked in atomically. So uh, if you say it's 50% odds, you can just go to any single person who's on the Lightning Network and they can give you 50% odds. You don't have to trust them. That's just how it will work out. So much potential for cool shit in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really hope for it to catch on. I did have one last question. It's probably pretty basic, but something we uh, stirred around in our Slack channel is where's the incentive for the miners in a very uh, ubiquitous lightning network? And the only thing I could deduce it down to is if the lightning network is providing that much cool shit, then that incentivizes people to buy Bitcoin, which then, you know, that they've got to buy Bitcoin to use the Lightning Network, right? So then eventually the miners just make more because more people are buying Bitcoin. 
to use it's the simple. Lightning Network. Yeah, you, you have to open and close a channel with every with every open and open and close payment channel, right? It's that those are all on chain on chain transactions, and if you enable a lot of utility that couldn't be done otherwise, that that then sums up a tremendous amount of more transactions on chain, because yeah, yeah, I think it will increase the chain transactions. Like the normal use case pattern for people for a normal person who's using Bitcoin is they go and buy Bitcoin and then they do nothing. They just so that's one transaction. They just sit on their Bitcoin and they look at the balance and they don't do anything. That's how like a lot of people use Bitcoin, but. Uh, once you have this situation where there's all sorts of things that you can only buy with Lightning, you now have to think more about your channel, about channels, and actually, and each channel is a transaction. And then, if you run out of money on a channel, or if you need to rebalance your channel to some, somewhere else, or if somebody wants to, you know, be paying you, um, that's actually like the more activity that's represented in the Lightning channels, the more chain activity there will be just to uh, kind of support that. So I don't think that I think that there'll be actually more transaction volume on on the chain as a result of just huge levels of transaction volume on uh lightning network if it's successful absolutely i mean like the thing about it okay. like if you look at it from the way ethereum works now and how decentralized applications work it's like this is a decentralized application and anytime you use one or move from one to the other you need to do you need to settle at some point or like settle at some checkpoint those are all on-chain transactions like as, as you're as you're using these applications that allow you to do something, you then need to put money into it and take money out of it, and that will be some type that will be some amount of on-chain transactions, regardless of what that maps to, in terms of usability on the decentralized application, like the DAP, the Lightning DAP, if you will. That could be thousands and thousands of transactions that equivalent like that are equivalent to maybe ten online transactions, but if you mm. have a lot of people doing that, that that's a lot yeah. of on-chain transactions and that's how that scales so you end up with a tremendous amount more use of trustless open technology while being able to scale the base layer i think they call them laps Corey, lightning apps oh yeah okay my bad i yeah. wasn't i wasn't careful. hip to the nomenclature careful now we're trying to build some vernacular here um yeah i think that's all we got alex thank you oh we got one more one more question. Always. You want to ask it? Always. Yeah, the uh, question we ask everybody, can you, in 10 words or less, can you explain blockchain? 10 words or less, can I explain blockchain? Um, I could explain maybe the blockchain, you know. Bitcoin? Would, um, you, would you rather be the, Bitcoin? Well, blockchain generically, I'm not so sure it makes sense. Okay, and 10 words or less, can you explain Bitcoin? I would say the, the, the well, the Bitcoin blockchain, it's, uh, it's kind of like a ledger. So the idea is that we're updating uh, people's balances. And, and the idea of the blockchain, like the construction is, it's like a court where if you and I don't trust each other, we can make an appeal to the world. And we can say, here, what should the balance be? And then everybody can judge that using uh, full node software. I probably have busted the 10 word. I mean, boundary, you, you, you but, definitely ruined the 10 <laughs> words. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so they can take a look at this, uh, at, at, the, at the history, at the ledger, and they can validate and say that this is how it, the, the case should have been decided between these two people who didn't just trust each other. All right, Alex, you definitely ruined the 10 words, but I do like the answer. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. I look forward to seeing. Um, how submarine swaps end up playing out, uh, the development towards there. I hope that some people 
listen to this and come join in on the party you're making and help help you push it out to uh, the main deck quicker. And um, thanks for coming on. Cool. Thanks for having me.